We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon fans, what's going on? How are we doing? Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. It is Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. I am in absolute disbelief that it is already November, uh, the last full month of, uh, of college football, uh, but we don't need to focus on that. Uh, just the season's been flying by, but it's been super fun. And uh, in this episode, we are going to be setting the stage for number eight Oregon against the Colorado Buffaloes. Ducks hitting the road to Boulder for their second consecutive road game coming off of that win over Cal. And joining me to break down this game, I should say, preview this game, kind of take a look at some early storylines. We got some updates from Dan on Monday is Ducks Digest reporter Graham Metzger. Welcome back, man. Glad to have you here. Max, thanks so much. It's been uh, it's been too long since I've been back on the Ducks Dish podcast, so I'm happy to be back. Happy to be talking Ducks football again. Oh, you know it, you know it. Well, we got some of our regulars in here. Gerard's here, my fellow San Jose native. We got Mikey G here. They sound excited. So, um, yeah, let us know how you guys are feeling about this Colorado matchup. Uh, maybe some feelings about uh, where Oregon is at right now as a team. I also have the first edition of the college football playoff rankings that are dropping this afternoon. Um, So I don't know if we'll have a show on that today, but we'll definitely have one tomorrow, if not today. So keep an eye out for that. Um, So, yeah, we we spoke with with Dan Lanning on Monday uh, evening to give his uh, typical or, you know, usual weekly press conference, uh, some final thoughts on the Cal game, some storylines that came out of that. And then uh, some early thoughts on Colorado and, and where they're kind of at as a team. I think a good place to start with any anything like this, Graham, is uh, injury updates. Uh, Ducks are fairly healthy heading into this game, but we did get uh, you know some new stuff to work with from Lanning. It may not be much, but we're here to talk about it. Um, as we all know, Chase Cota went down in the first half with an injury and did not return. Uh, and then Sam Taimani was not available for this game. And then Steven Jones didn't play. He hasn't played since he's from Washington in week two, but he was uh, out of the boot and was, uh, you know, in his jersey. So looks like maybe he's getting a little bit closer. Uh, but this was the quote from Lanny when asked about that, that trio and kind of where they're at. He said, quote, to be determined, all those guys are working to get back. Don't know how long some of those will go. We'll kind of wait and see. Don't want to guess too early. Um interesting to hear that update after you have the weekend to you know evaluate it or all of Sunday I guess but um I don't know let's just kind of dig into that a little bit and, and kind of you know the 
the picture at those respective positions. Yeah. So the one that jumps off the, uh, off of that little list of those three players is uh, Chase Coda. Of course, he's been probably has the biggest role out of those players um, that were on this injured list that Lanning was talking about. And without Coda and also Franklin had um, some injuries, you know, he was up and down a little bit during the, uh, the Cal game last Saturday. So it definitely becomes uh, a question of who is Bo going to be throwing the ball to all the time. Last week uh, against Cal, the answer was the running backs. Bo threw 10 passes and two touchdowns to the running backs, Whittington and Irving. Um, so definitely Coda, to me, is the uh, biggest impact of those injuries. Yeah, and so we're still waiting to see kind of what's going to happen there. I feel like because there's not a more definitive update today, maybe I'm leaning more towards thinking that we won't see Coda uh, this week. Um, and then just to talk about Sam Taimani, we saw a lot of Keanu Williams uh, against uh, Cal and you know Lanning and, and Brandon Dorless were both very complimentary of his performance. I think that was the most playing time he's seen as a duck since getting to the college level. He was a part of course of that 2021 signing class. I believe he was coming out of the Fresno Clovis area, I believe. Um, and let's see what we got here. So same time Monty with, with the D line, um, you know, not, not a huge hit for them just because they have some pretty solid depth there, uh, which I think is awesome. Um, you also have Casey Rogers there, Jordan Riley, some pieces that came over with Tony Tuioti from Nebraska via the transfer portal. Also have Brendan Dorless there, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, so not, not, you know, thin at that position by any means. And then with Steven Jones, it's been interesting because his injury was early in the season, but Oregon's offensive line hasn't missed a beat. Marcus Harper slides in at, at left guard. And then I believe they moved Ryan walk over to right guard, um, and uh, they, they've just, you know, seamlessly transitioned to that. So uh, you got to feel good about where the offensive line is at. And then I was talking to somebody about this the other day, Graham. You know, Stephen Jones's injury, in a sense, I, I don't know if it's appropriate to say blessing in disguise, but because he has missed so much of the season, maybe the conversation starts to trend. Hey, you know, you want to come back in 2023, uh, give it one more go. Um, because I, I, I'm, I feel like it's a little murky uh, where his his draft stock is kind of at right now. Yeah, it certainly hasn't improved since he's been missing uh, all this time this season. I think even looking on a more short-term uh, sense for Oregon, it is super helpful that Stephen Jones uh, is getting ready to come back. Marcus Harper has been doing excellent, like you said, Max, in his spot. You know, Ryan Walk has the versatility to move over to different positions in the offensive line, but when you start to head towards the uh, end of the season, you've got your Washington and Utah, Oregon State, Pac-12 championship, and whatever dreams you have still, it's going to be so important to have not only multiple offensive linemen that can play at multiple positions, but that depth in case someone goes down. And I really feel like it's the same with Taimani. Yes, Oregon has uh, players that can get it done on the defensive line, but that depth never helps. And it's a great time for those players to get ready to come back for Oregon. Can never be too deep at any position. Depth is always a bonus. Looking into some more recent notes from today, kind of didn't kind of been reading the tea leaves and looking at some reports. Uh, you know, a couple of the Oregon outlets are reporting that DJ Johnson, Chase Coda, and Taimani were all not at practice today. Uh, and I think the only surprise there maybe a little bit is is DJ Johnson, but he did exit the game a couple times against Cal. 
uh, looking like he got a little bit shaken up at a couple of various points. And, and he still, even if he was hurt, he still played through it and was able to register two sacks against Cal. Uh, and I think Brandon Dorless, the stat I saw for him that really popped was nine quarterback pressures just by himself. So we're kind of tracking, you know, the health of this team. They're in a pretty solid spot. Uh, just to talk a little bit about the wide receiver position without Chase Cota, we saw a lot more of uh, Chris Hudson and, and Dante Thornton. And then Dan Lanning was talking about the wide receiver picture um, on Monday. And he was saying that, you know, we'll see some more guys there involved. He, he talked about how he liked what he saw from, from Chris and, and Dante. And then Josh Delgado is another player that's going to be getting some more run there. Um, he's one of the more veteran guys that's been at Oregon for a while, but hasn't necessarily carved out a super uh, significant role. Um, but, you know, he went to St. John Bosco and IMG Academy. So uh, I think there's, you know, definitely that background of excellence for him. Um, we all know about Seven McGee entering the transfer portal. Uh, not anything too new there. Uh, after that initial report broke from Matt Zenitz yesterday, uh, Dan Lenny was just confirmed. He confirmed last night he's no longer with us, wishing the best moving forward, but wasn't going to wasn't going to speak on it any more than that. Um, so, you know, second straight season now, Graham, Oregon's getting hit with a, a transfer or intent to transfer rather because the window doesn't open until uh, early December, uh, seeing that Micah Pittman uh, entered the portal last year and, and is now obviously at Florida State. Yeah, it's it's kind of that time of the year, Max, like you're saying, where players that are dissatisfied with their roles are uh, starting to intend to hit the transfer portal. But one difference that I see uh, between the players from Oregon wanting to leave between last year and this year is that those players that were leaving Micah Pittman, he was also leaving and there were a lot more injuries. I feel like the injury luck um, or the, just the conditioning of the ducks has been much better this season. So it wasn't just that Micah Pittman was leaving. It was also Micah Pittman was leaving and um, Johnny Johnson third is out for the year, you know, and a bunch of other receivers are going down. Um, So it definitely hurts to see good players like seven McGee, you know, hasn't quite tapped into his full potential yet leaving before you can see that play out um but it's just a part of a competitive college football program good players are gonna leave because they can't crack the competition or for whatever reason um so you know it does hurt but I think I'm definitely more happy in this year's position with the injury luck being a lot better and we've got Dante Thornton the Ducks have Dante Thornton and Chris Hudson who both of them I would have expected to have better season than they have been having already so this week could be a chance for them to really go off and show how deep the Ducks wide receivers are. Yeah, the the loss of McGee leaves Oregon with 10 scholarship wideouts. A couple other guys we haven't seen too much from this year. You have Isaiah Brevard, who was an All-American coming out of high school in the uh, you know Memphis slash Tennessee area, um, you know, kind of right on that border. Um, and he hasn't seen the field very much. Kyler Casper in the 22 class, uh, Justice Lowe as well. I think we've seen more of Casper than we have of Lowe, Isaiah Crocker. So there's some guys there for Oregon to work with. We saw the tight ends get really involved last week. Maliki, Terrence, P. Herb, P. Herbo got his first college touchdown after being banged up for much of his career. So that was refreshing to see. Um, so I think that, uh, and especially with the running backs, like you mentioned, I think that they're, the running backs can also carry the load in the receiving game, the passing game, uh, heading into this Colorado matchup as well. Um we had another update that may be worth just touching on a little bit. Uh, Jeff Bossa, who we know was ejected for targeting last week, his targeting call was appealed and denied very cut and dry uh, when, when Lanny was asked about that on Monday. And I think it was, it was more so probably about protecting Bossa just with the way that he 
actually ended up hitting the guy. Uh, you know, some of them can be a little bit of a toss up with, you know, the defenders just trying to be low and then the, the offensive player lowers their head. So it can be a little murky at times, but Ducks are going to be without Jeff Bossa in the first half of uh, this Colorado game. And I think one of the trends of this game, kind of a storyline that you and I were talking about, Graham, before we hit record was this is an opportunity not only for them to dominate, but, you know, kind of tweak some things. And then like we saw against Cal, hopefully a little bit earlier, I would think, get some of those younger guys in, some of those developmental guys that you just want to get ready for next year or maybe later in the season. Yeah, and specifically looking at the linebacker position, I feel like it might be one of Oregon's most shallow uh, position groups on the team, offense or defense. Um, There were questions, you know, there are still questions about Oregon's secondary, but at least there are a lot of guys to step up at cornerback or safety uh, should one go down. At linebacker, I don't feel that comfortable, and definitely I feel like uh, Jeff Bossa is the strongest linebacker on the Ducks right now. But Over um, Noah? Oh, well, not over <laughs> Noah, of course. Um, you know, Noah is really special at rushing the passer, and I feel like Jeff Bossa a little bit more times can be hanging back uh, in more of the coverage role. You know, he came over from safety, so that makes sense. Uh, definitely not over Noah. I'll stop myself. Thank you for helping me out there. No, you're good. Um, but I'm excited to see who lines up alongside Noah. Obviously, you have Justin Flo as well. Both those guys I do feel um, are more prone to go after the quarterback. So I'm looking at um, LaDuke. I'm looking at Keith Brown to be the more coverage linebackers and show, um, like we were talking about, like we've been talking about, this is a great game for Oregon to show their depth, um, for players to get a chance to go ahead of others on the depth chart and uh, really just uh, keep it a competitive uh, nature around this game for Dan Lanning's guys and feel like, you know, this isn't just a game against the basement of the Pac-12. This is a game to show that you can play against the top teams in the Pac-12 and beyond. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. And and Lenny was asked just about kind of how the team has handled complacency and and what uh, one of the questions that he was asked was, you know, what what is success going to look like for this team yeah. this week? And it was a one word answer: win. Like that's all they're looking for, and that's all they're you know that's all you can do is just focus on the game that's uh, in front of you. Don't want to get ahead of yourself with that game against Washington looming next week. Going to be backing Eugene for that one. So I'm super stoked. I feel like I said that on the pod like five times. Can you tell I'm excited? Um, But uh, that's going to be a great time. And uh, Colorado definitely, you know, not the the most talented team, but um, they they gave Oregon a little bit of trouble last year at home, uh, even though, you know, it's not the same team now. They kind of got a lot of their top options rated by the transfer portal with uh, Brendan Rice going to USC and then Christian Gonzalez going over to Oregon. As we all know, he's been thriving as the lockdown corner for the Ducks. Had the first blocked field goal for the team since 2017, I want to say. Um, but yeah, I think that you said a lot of good stuff about the backers. Uh, we'll see if we can see more of Trevin Maia. Um, He looks like he's playing with his hand in the dirt now, so his role has shifted a little bit uh, this season. And I think he's been someone that I've been excited about for a while. Maybe we'll see more of him. Um, let's see here. Um, I have something uh, we'll get into on the other side. We're going to talk about Oregon's dominance in the middle eight, but we're going to go ahead and take a quick break for those of you listening to us on the podcasting platforms. Don't go anywhere. We got more Oregon football talk after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. That's Graham Metzger. We are setting the stage for Oregon against Colorado. And we have a couple of quick more notes we want to get into before we take a closer look at some of the players that stand out and you know some of the, the topics with, with Colorado that come to mind. Graham, Oregon's been one of, if not the most dominant teams in the middle eight, that being the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. Um, we saw them try to be pretty aggressive uh, against Cal, uh, you know, calling that timeout, that last timeout, and then they only got the ball back with 10 seconds. Um, but they they tried, they were trying to get some more points on the board before they went into halftime, and then they got the second half kick as well, I believe. Um, you know, and then there's that pass to Troy Franklin over the middle, and then people kind of thought he was hurt, but maybe he was just doing it to uh, to stop the clock. Um, not, not trying to slight him at all. Maybe that's just good strategy. You know, teams do that now. Um, but I think that's a, a huge, huge difference between last year's Oregon team and this team. Last year's Oregon team, you know, 11 times out of 10, Mario Cristobal would have just knelt it and gone into the locker room. Uh, so I think it's a really refreshing look for Oregon, not just in the middle eight, but in general, just playing with a more aggressive tone. Look at the onside kick against UCLA. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you want to win the middle eight, but I know that Dan Lanning said he wasn't satisfied. The team isn't satisfied because you want to start fast and finish strong as well. And that's something that they've had a little bit of trouble here recently. Yeah. Uh, one thing, if we're going to compare the landing team to, uh, the crystal ball teams, which is always puts a smile on my face this season. Um, one thing I felt about crystal balls teams is that if Oregon was down at halftime, if they were just getting killed, like, the Utah games last year, both of them, for example, there was nothing that I felt like was going to be said in that locker room that was going to make the Ducks come out with, um, you know, a fire under them and just ready to come out and turn the game around. And even when the Ducks are ahead at halftime with Lanning as the coach, it always feels like they come out with that intensity and they enter the uh, lo- halftime locker room with that intensity. You know, we're talking about these uh, middle eight ending the first half going into the second half. Um so it is always good to see the intensity. And even against a team like Cal, who is not one of the strongest in the Pac-12, it's inspiring to see uh, the aggressiveness at the end of the first half, like you were saying, Max. But one thing Lanning uh, harped on in his press conference yesterday is that 
our team knows we have better football to play. That's how that's the one way that they're staying locked in through these games against maybe the lower uh, tier opponents in the Pac-12. They know that they can play better in starting the games, in finishing the games. Um, so even though the Ducks are one of the best, if not the best teams in the nation in that middle eight, uh, Landing is keeping his team focused. Yeah, you can't get complacent no matter what it is. And that was one of the tones that we really heard from from the Ducks, particularly on the offensive side of the ball uh, after the game against Cal. I think I just keep thinking back to it, Graham. Nearly 600 yards of total offense, and they got blanked in the first quarter. And you have Bo Nix and Alex Forsyth just both, you know, uh, conveying that they know they can be better and that they could have done even more. Uh, seven straight games with 40 or more points, but I think the garbage time points uh, given up by the defense are, I don't know if I'd say concerning, but it's certainly something that fans aren't happy about. I know the play, the players aren't happy about it. The team's not happy about it. And that's something that they're looking to clean up, but it's part of what makes it hard to get a good feel for this Oregon defense so far. But they've shown that they can get, they're getting better at getting pressure on the quarterback and, and they're getting takeaways, which I think is is super important. Um, one of the other updates that we got today uh, last one I want to touch on before we take a closer look at Colorado, Graham. Troy Franklin was reportedly working in punt return at uh, today's practice. Uh, that, of course, probably being because Chase Coda wasn't at practice, and, and he was one of the the um, him and Seven McGee were one of the primary punt returners. So I'm I'm all for it. I mean, the more touches you can get Troy Franklin, I think the better. Um, I don't think that he maybe has the the speed of of Seven or maybe even Chase. Uh, I think that he's, you know, craftier than Chase. Uh, they both have really good hands, but he's a little bit more of a playmaker. We saw Chase have that touchdown against uh, Stanford at the end of the first quarter in that game, which was certainly uh, something to watch. Uh, but I mean, that, that's kind of how I feel of seeing this development. The more touches you can get for Troy Franklin, the better. Um, but I will say, you know, maybe a caveat with that is that you don't want to risk him taking additional hits, especially because you're already without Coda. Yeah, I think the bottom line here is that the Ducks are short at kick returners and punt returners, you know. Of course, like you said, Max, there's nothing wrong with getting the ball in your hands of one of the best, if not the best playmaker on the Oregon offense uh, in Troy Franklin. You know, given the right blocks, there's no reason he couldn't take a punt or a kick to the house. Uh, He's got the speed, you know, maybe not that top tier speed, but he's got the athleticism to, to take a kick to the house. But the bottom line here is that the Ducks are short at kick and punt returners. That seven McGee uh, transfer or intent to transfer hurts the most in this category. Um, I know Lanning is, he really takes uh, special teams personally. He said when he was looking at Colorado, he looked at their special teams first to see, and he said that they have quite a good effort there. And that's a good way that he checks out uh, the teams he's scouting. But basically, all I see is that the Ducks are hurting at uh, kick returner and It'll hurt even more if Troy Franklin were to pick up an injury, like you said, because there's a lot of blocks. There's a lot of tackles flying around on kick and punt returns. Yeah, and I, and I think maybe this is an opportunity to get some other guys more involved in the return game. I want to say Sean Dollars might have been involved at one point. I, I could be wrong, but both he, Bucky Irving, Noah Whittington, they, they all have you know really, really good speed. Uh, it's particularly Noah. I think he's someone I've been really impressed with with the, his breakaway speed. Um, so... We'll have to see how that carries over. Maybe it's just something they're trying out, but uh, you know that's what something like this game is good for. You know, you you throw something like 
a kick return role, a specialist role at Troy Franklin, and you see how he handles it, how you know he handles that along with his typical wide receiver duties. You, you maybe are able to work some more guys in in some unique spots, try out some new formations. Um, so it, it almost feels like kind of a scrimmage, but I also don't want to say that completely because you know the, the Oregon team isn't taking this game lightly, and they didn't take the Cal game lightly. Um, and some, someone else also mentioned that I think it's been a while since uh, Oregon was in Boulder, at least with the current roster. So like not that many people have experience playing in Colorado, which we know about the elevation. We know about the weather. It's going to be colder there, I bet, than what you would normally have in Eugene. Um, it's been like in the mid 50s here in Southern California when I've been waking up and I'm definitely it definitely has me missing the Pacific Northwest for sure. Um so that's just another factor and then kind of just some other thoughts that come to mind when, when we're kind of setting the stage here and uh, thinking about, you know, how Oregon's approaching this game and, and how they can use it to try to get to, uh, you know, where they ultimately want to be. Yeah, I think, Max, on your point, I think Christian Gonzalez is the only player on Oregon's current lineup that's played in Boulder. So that elevation will definitely be um, – that elevation will definitely be a factor. And because Oregon has – had a tough time starting their uh, games, like we said last week, putting up zero in the first quarter. I I would not be surprised if Colorado had a lead at some point in this game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they got out to a lead at first and maybe Oregon brings it back in those middle eight minutes like we were talking about. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a fun one to watch. Mikey G saying, high 50s, partly cloudy in, uh, in Boulder. Um one funny note that I wanted to include earlier in the show, actually, I'm going to see if I can share my uh, share my screen here one second. Uh, I tweeted out uh, who's going to be uh, on the broadcast crew, and uh, Oregon fans were not happy about this. Uh, so in case you guys aren't watching on YouTube, Oregon Football Max Taurus is where you can always find us. Uh, Mike Monaco is going to be the play-by-play. Mike Monaco, I don't know how to say that. Sorry if it's not right. Rod Gilmore, analyst, and Tiffany Blackman, sideline reporter, will be on the call for Oregon against Colorado, which is airing at 12.30 on ESPN this week. And the, some of the responses and quote tweets that I got from this were, were pretty funny. I mean, it's, it's just pretty astounding to see one fan base just absolutely roast Rod Gilmore I think that's the one that most people have uh, problems with. So I'll just read uh, read some of these responses. One of the funnier ones, why am I being punished? Thank God I'll be at the game. Mute and turn on the radio broadcast. Um, really don't like Gilmore. I guess I'll be watching it. Be watching on mute, I guess, now. Uh, some people were asking about the Spanish broadcast, I think. Um, don't forget to mute the broadcast this weekend. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, you can see some of these, uh, and they're just pretty funny. Um, this one, Eugene Levy, cracks me up. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Not People aren't the biggest fans of Rod Gilmore. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, he went to Stanford and UC Berkeley, so I, I understand. And I think just the reason is is because he comes off harsh on, on uh, the Ducks. And when an uh, announcer, a uh, color guy, does that, time and time again and he keeps on getting booked for Oregon you know the fans start to notice yeah so that was just a, a quick note we'll uh hopefully people will be at the game and, and maybe find alternate ways to enjoy it uh we'll have our how to watch stream and listen to the game story uh posted later today on Ducks Digest so uh we'll keep you up to date on where you can tune into the game your various ways uh you can do that 
But Graham, uh, before we get out of here, we wanted to take a closer look at some of these Colorado players to to watch. Uh, obviously, it's been a rough rough go uh, for Colorado um, so far on the season. Just one in seven overall, one in four uh, in Pac-12 play. The only team in Pac-12, uh, the only win they've gotten is against Cal, um, which was a twenty to thirteen win in overtime at home. But they're coming off of a close loss to Arizona State, 42-34, and then 42-9 loss to Oregon State uh, the week before that. So uh, just kind of give us some of your thoughts and maybe some of the guys that are standing out to you uh, ahead of this game. Yeah, one thing um, that I realized when doing research on Colorado is a lot of the players that are stepping up and making plays for them right now were kind of buried in the depth chart before. They have an interim head coach right now, Mike Sanford, and – He's just been digging through the uh, depth chart, it feels like, and finding some of the hidden gems uh, for the Buffaloes. Right now, their quarterback is JT Shrout, who transferred over from Tennessee. Their starting quarterback is actually true freshman Owen McCown, which is the son of Josh McCown, NFL quarterback. You know, he bounced around from quite a few teams. Um, I know he was on the Eagles for a little bit, but um, JT Shrout, he came in at the very end of the third quarter in that in their one win on the season, and he's produced uh, scoring drives on three of his four drives through the game-winning touchdown in overtime. JT Shroud, solid, solid quarterback. I think a little bit underrated just because he hasn't had a lot of chances uh, this this season. They are also pretty beat up at running back. So uh, expect to see Deion Smith as the main running back. He's been kind of on the Colorado roster for a, a few years now. And just last week, he had his first start. He went for 24 rushes, 111 yards and a touchdown so definitely a strong running back just a lot of these guys are hungry you know max they really are taking advantage of whatever opportunity they got and for the colorado players a game against oregon is probably the biggest stage they'll get for the rest of the season um so i just think you know definitely something to keep in mind when looking at these players and they will probably play harder than uh they might usually on the defensive side, they've got Josh Chandler Semedo, who trans Semedo transferred over from West Virginia, and he's been a killer. He is top of the Pac-12 in uh, tackles per game, or he's top five. It's a it's a talented team, and I think they're just figuring it out. I think the one win on the season is a bit unfair for Colorado. They're just you know with the new interim coach. Yeah, so they, they, they have some guys there, and, you know, you, it's an uphill battle anytime you let go of your coach uh, at the time that they do, and it was already so rough. You know, a couple other of the other head coach firings that we've seen this year, you have Herm Edwards at Arizona State staying out west in the Pac-12, and the most recent one, I think it was just yesterday, was Brian Harson getting canned at Auburn. Um, so we got to follow some of the, the head coaching candidates there, but I know that, that Alex Fontenot is another name that uh, kind of sticks out for, for Colorado, but I'm assuming since he's not getting as much play, maybe it's because he's banged up. Yeah, um, I wasn't I wasn't sure if he's going or not. It seemed like leaning on the not side. Okay, yeah, so that, that makes sense. And and uh, with the quarterback room, um, you know, JT Shrout has, has had some, some rough going so far this year since uh, transferring over from Tennessee. I think I, I was looking at Colorado at some point earlier in the season. I was like, wait, JT Shrout, wasn't he at Tennessee? I feel like that guy has been playing for quite a while. But um, anytime that you're struggling at quarterback, obviously it's going to make things hard on your offense. So um, it's, it's another opportunity for Oregon's defense to step up and take advantage. I don't think they were quite as dominant as I was expecting and hoping to see against Cal especially with one of the worst offensive lines in the Pac-12. But, um, I mean, you, you you stay down at the the lower tier of, of Pac-12 teams here for another week. 
uh, with this matchup against Colorado. So certainly an opportunity to, um, you know, just continue to, to solidify things um, and uh, just, you know, keep, keep pushing forward. So it's, you know, I like the way you mentioned that Graham was just, he's kind of finding some of these hidden gems or it, he seems like he's maybe getting in more out of these players than Carl Durrell was able to at least this season. And, uh, you know, I can't help but feel for Carl Durrell a little bit. You know, the team obviously wasn't doing well, but he was fun to talk to at Pac-12 Media Days and seemed like a, a really nice guy. But, you know, them's the breaks. Uh, and, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, you're getting paid millions of dollars to, to put a winning program on the field. So we can't we can't be too sympathetic, I guess. Nah, not not too sympathetic. Uh, you know, six straight losses and none of them were really particularly close for Durrell. Yeah. And so- one thing, uh, one thing I do want to say as well is that every D1 program has so many talented recruits that just go unused every year. And that's why the transfer portal is so big. But it makes it easier for a school like Colorado who, you know, they don't recruit on Oregon's level, but they've still got plenty of three, four star guys just waiting for their opportunity. Absolutely. So maybe we'll see those guys get a little bit of a shot and, you know, get showcased like Brendan Rice did last year. You know, even though they were not a good team last year, you know, he was one of those can't miss guys that popped off the page. He had like a million all-purpose yards against Oregon since uh, Oregon special teams weren't that great. So he ripped off some, some nice runs in the return game. And then he was doing his thing through the air. And now he's obviously at USC. So we'll see what this Colorado team looks like. And we're going to continue to take a closer look at them as the, the week kind of goes on. Um, a lot of those players that Graham mentioned, he wrote about in his five players to watch story over on ducksdigest.com. That's where you can always find our written content. So make sure you guys head over there to check it out. Also have the betting odds. The latest betting odds, I think has Oregon as a 31 and a half point favorite or 30 and a half point favorite, um, with the over under set around 60, I believe. Um, that's just what I'm remembering from the betting odds story that I, I edited this morning. So it's a, it's a huge spread, uh, as it should be. Uh, and then, like I said, we have the uh, the college football playoff rankings coming out later today in just a couple hours. I think it's at four o'clock uh, on uh, the West Coast, seven o'clock on the East Coast. Uh, also, finally posted my story on Jerry Mixon, Oregon's 2023 linebacker commit. That's over on Ducks Digest, and we're rolling out some more uh, more you know news and updates that we can find over there. Anything to add here, Graham? Before we sign off. No, I'm just excited for another uh, Oregon football game. You know, you said last full college football month. I'm going to hang on as tight as I can to this Ducks football. Yeah, no, we definitely want to soak it up while it's here, um, which is going to be fun. I'm trying to get my uh, my high school football game sorted out for this Friday. I think I'm going to go see Warren against Sierra Canyon. Um, so obviously Nico is the, the big draw there, but Sierra Canyon's got some talent too. That's where the Ducks got Michael Wooten last year in the 2022 recruiting class uh, as an offensive lineman. So that should be a fun one. And then uh, we'll have the Ducks against the Buffs on Saturday. Uh, Graham, before we get out of here, where can people find more of you and more of your work? Right here on my, oh, always mess up the point. But Graham Metzger, uh, Twitter handle, I'm doing stuff for Ducks Digest. I'm doing play-by-play for KWVA 88.1 FM. Check out all my stuff on my Twitter. All right, there you go. Make sure you guys tap in with Graham. If you want to find more of me, make sure to lock in with me on the social platforms. Uh, I don't have my Twitter handle there. That's embarrassing. I usually do. Uh, StreamYard gave me a little bit of a little bit of a hard time when I was uh, going to join today. Uh, but you can follow me on Twitter at mtorresports. And if you guys are here on YouTube, Oregon Football Max Torres, kindly take a second out of your day, hit the like button, and smash the subscribe button, and uh, make sure you can do us a favor. Share the Ducks Dish podcast. That's the best way you can support us. Share the show with 
Duck fans, friends, family, you guys know how it goes. But uh, that'll do it for us on this episode of the Duck's Dish Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Duck's Dish Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.